Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Educated Fool Podcast. I am the Educated Fool, Dr. Jeffrey Alexander Jr. This week, I sat down with teacher, educator, Javon Booker. See, I read a study about how if a black student just have one black teacher, that increases their chance of going to college. So I really wanted to talk to black teachers. So I reached out to Javon so we could have a conversation about what led him to teaching, what he enjoys about teaching, and what does he do in particular that can really impact a black student's life. So sit back and enjoy this episode of the Educated Food Podcast. Hey, yo, Javon, what's up, man? Good. How you doing, dope? Man, I'm all right. Hanging in there. Yeah. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Um, I took a week off of work last week, so that was like refreshing. It was the first time I took off since COVID started, so it was refreshing. You just took it off? Did you go anywhere? Stay home? What? Uh, I went up to Oregon. My uh, my wife, she has brothers who live in Oregon, so I went up to Primeville, Oregon. It's like middle of nowhere, Oregon. Um, How brothers, far is that from Portland? Um, it's like three hours, um, so... It was, you know, it was a nice little getaway, kind of middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, a, it was an interesting little getaway. Um, I, uh, I go to Portland from time to time just to get away. Mm-hmm. But it's literally that, just to get away. So if you say it's three hours from Portland, and I know Portland is nothing but trees and trees <laughs> and more trees and water, I know you have to be in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's. I, I think it's three hours, maybe an hour and a half. But anyway, it was in the you middle know, of nowhere. I, from Portland, an hour and a half or three hours, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, it was. It was nothing, but it was. You know, fishing. Um, got to shoot some guns. You know, do some real outdoorsy stuff. Her brother had no internet, so that was interesting. <laughs> so it's really. I mean, <laughs> with no internet, it's twenty twenty, in the middle of the no, in middle of nowhere. That's. Yeah, I can't imagine. But it was good because they're not into politics. So like all of, you know, the voting stuff, they didn't really really care. I'd have nobody talk to about it. So it was cool. I guess. I guess I was kind of I was I wanted to see what was going to happen. Nah, I want to get away, especially where I live. Yeah, I want to get away. (laughs) Also, um. Let, let's introduce yourself a little bit. We've been talking for a minute. Um, tell the folks and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yo, this this question is crazy because <laughs> I knew it was coming, but I never know how to answer this question. So, uh, shooting in the dark. Uh, I'm Jovan. Um, I'm from L.A. Uh, well, let me clear that up because I know some people will be like, you're not from L.A.? First part of my life, I, I was in L.A., so I was born, raised a little bit in L.A. Then I ended up going to high school in San Bernardino. Um, after I left high school, went to Texas for, for school. After that, stayed there very shortly, came back. I mean, came back to the West Coast, but stopped in Vegas, and I've been in Vegas ever since. We're going to get into some of your experiences here a little bit, but I I did want to talk about something that uh, I didn't think I was going to talk about because I didn't think the game was going to be that close. But your Steelers and my Cowboys, 
<laughs> right? I just knew it was going to get blown. And then there was like a glimmer of hope. I was like, yo, we about to beat these dudes. And then, of course. You know, th- well, you know, it's crazy. This is the first game that I've missed in probably a long time. Mm-hmm. It, I, I didn't get to see it. I, I did watch a little bit on my phone. But then I was kind of happy that I couldn't really sit and watch it at the same time because last time I looked, we was getting blown out. Yeah, (laughs) we about to do this. This horrible team about to beat the Steelers. Exactly. And then, then, you know, Cowboys happened, so we ended up losing. (laughs) I I looked later. Somebody was texting me, and I was like, wait, we won? He was like, yeah. I'll take it, though. An ugly win is still a win. I'll take it. It's a win, man. How does a LA kid become a Steelers fan? Man, I saw this question too. I I wish I had some spectacular story. Um, it's crazy because we my, uh, growing up, me and my brother used we used to play uh, Joe Montana sports talk football all the time, and I was still even then I wasn't a big uh, football fan. I didn't become a real Steelers fan until. I'd say around the time Tomlin became coach, um, I remember uh, they were doing this big old special about how it wasn't a lot of black coaches at the time. And at the time, um, Tony Dungy, and I forget the other dude's name, they were in the Super Bowl. And Tony Dungy ended up winning. But shortly after that, here you got Mike Tomlin that came on as Pittsburgh's um, head coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just picked the team and ran with it. And then over the years, progressively started paying more and more attention to it. So, uh, yeah, it's not like uh, I was a kid. When I was walking around in my drawers, I had Steelers drawers and nothing like that. Uh, it did come later, but I've been rocking with them ever since. I mean, that's kind of how I became a, a Michigan uh, football fan. It was playing yeah. NCAA football and picking teams. I only used to show the helmets. So I picked Michigan because of the helmets. The helmets was fire. And then, you know, as I got older, started following. And it was like, yo, I'm a Michigan guy. And right. it's been brutal for a minute. But, you know, that's how yeah. it happens sometimes. <laughs> so let's let's get to why I have you on today. Um, you know, it's always scrolling Twitter and us and me being a you know, higher ed professional. Education is big to me. Um, and then one of the I saw a topic um, or a research study that showed, you know, how effective black teachers are. And I was like, man, that'll be a fire topic. Who can I talk to? And then boom, I thought of you. So how did you uh, come along and do, you know, onto the teaching profession? Was it something, was this always your goal? Was this your original career plan? No, I tell people all the time, uh, my main goal, um, what I really wanted to do was mentor kids. I wanted to mentor teens, you know, just help them out psychologically. Any Anywhere they needed help, I wanted to be that person. And not to say that teachers make a lot of money, but you really can't make money being a mentor as, you know, a full-time job. So the next best thing was what, being a teacher. Um, I started teaching like the youth at church and stuff, and then realized that I could be a teacher too. And then at the same time, have that rapport, get that connection with kids that I normally wouldn't have anywhere else. And at the same time, still get paid for it. So no teaching was not the initial goal, but, you know, it allows me to do what I really do want to do as far as mentoring. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel it. I didn't plan on being like a higher ed professional or an administrator at all. I just want to help people that look like me, right? Like kind of get right. out of the exactly. situation. And it just so happened, it's a career that aligns with that and it pays my bills. So it, it fits, it works. Uh, let's get a little bit more into your background. So you went to Prayer Review, a How does, once again, LA get? <laughs> and there's no HBCUs in Cali. Um, that, so that's part of it right there. I already know what you're about to ask, but that's part <laughs> of the reason right there. Yeah. So uh, that's what led you there. Like what, what made you want to go to an HBCU? I'm not going to lie. This doesn't have a, 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 a pretty story or some long drawn out story either. Um, when I first started applying to colleges, um, the first thing I did was look up all HBCUs. So um, at the time, I know I, th I think I applied to Cal State San Bernardino because that's where I lived. But deep down, I already knew that I was going to HBCU, right? Um, Prairie View was the first uh, school to respond and give me that acceptance letter. And I immediately called everybody and said, I'm going to Prairie View. I hadn't even been there. I hadn't even seen it. The only thing I uh, saw about Prairie View was everything that you could see online. In fact, matter of fact, uh, I accepted it. I accepted the offer or whatever. I decided to go down there, had a, uh, what you call it? When you go and, and tour the school. Yeah, like orientation or whatever? Yeah, orientation. I went and when you come up, when you um, come into Prairie View, it's nothing but like grass. They got this thing with flags and a, and a big sign that says Prairie View A&M University. But other than that, all you can really see is two buildings. <laughs> and I look like, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> I think I made a mistake. I, was, I, I sat there on the, on the bench, like defeated. Like this, this is what I got into. It looks country, countries as I don't know what. You can't see nothing but that building. I walked in the building. It was quiet. It was dark. Walked outside the building. You see a second building, which looks a little better. But I was like, nah, I'm need to tell my mom I, I ain't coming here. <laughs> but, it, but it got better because eventually you get past that second building and then you see the actual school. And then it's like, all right, cool. Sigh of relief. I can deal with this. Yeah, I was kind of like when I went to CI, Channel Islands. Right. It's a brand new school. But yeah, I didn't know anything about it. They accepted me. It was close to home. So I went and yeah, orientation. I'm like, yo, where am I? Right. You've been to the campus. You drive like you driving yeah. in the middle of nowhere and you're driving down this path like, yo, where all am I going? And, stuff. Yeah. and then all of a sudden the campus open. But then you realize, yo, this used to be a hospital. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, yo, I picked the wrong school. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought about, you know, going to an HBCU as well. Um, my my aunt had a hookup at Howard, but then I was like, yo, I know me. I ain't going to be able to concentrate. So I ain't, I'm not going to an HBCU. You, you knew that when, before going? Yeah, I, I knew that about myself. I knew that about yeah, myself. I did. <laughs> I did. See, I wish I did because that got me. That's that's where some of the toughest lessons we learned was at Prairie View. Um, uh, I know, you know, my brother, my brother could uh, mimic or imitate my mom and make, make fun of my mom, like to the T. But like, if we asked to go anywhere, she hit us with the beatbox 
all right, can, can we go to such and such house? I don't know such and such, but well, you didn't try to get to know him either. So like, we couldn't do nothing. Wasn't no parties, wasn't no, um, I mean, up until she passed, I'm, I'm well over the age of being grown. She's still, it's dark outside, what you doing, you know? <laughs> so imagine being in high school and junior high, we, didn't, we weren't able to do nothing. So you take me, I graduated when I was 17. So I was 17, moved all the way to Texas to Prayer U, HBCU, which a lot of people say is a party school. I'm not going to confirm or deny that, but <laughs> a lot of them say it's a party school. I'm out of my mama's house, 17. Now I have all the freedom in the world that I never experienced before. You know, this is, so you can only imagine what happened. I, w I wish I had the mindset that you had before um, picking your school. Yeah, and it was crazy because I wasn't that mature at that age, but it's just something I just knew, like, yo, I can't, like, I can't. And I think probably some of it was just leaving California as well, but I knew, like, yeah, I'm going to be around all these beautiful black girls. I'm going to, I ain't going to concentrate. Um, so I was like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Getting my, um, literally, I stayed in the dorm. One of my classes were was like I don't know, like twenty feet away from my my dorm building, and I would not make the class. <laughs> it got that big, got that bad. I mean, I think that's that's a little bit of a lot of like first gen freshman experiences though, because even though yeah. where I end up going, I didn't I stopped going to class. I mean, I tell everybody I had a one point two nine after my first semester. Um, my only passing class was like university 101 <laughs> and I didn't even get an A in that. Like you got an A just for showing up. I couldn't uh -huh. do that right. <laughs> so, I mean, it happens. So, all right, man, as I was talking about earlier, right? Research shows that black students are just having one black teacher, right? Increases the chances for that black student to go to college. Um, it was something I was thinking about when I asked you to interview for this. Um, when did you have your first black teacher? Um, actually, I have my, I started in, let me see, I went to two different preschools, kindergarten, first, second, those were all uh, black teachers, but you also got to remember that I was in LA, and for part of that, I was at a, a what you call it, a, a private school, mm -hmm. so um, before any of the before I went to like a, a regular public school, I was at Atherton Christian in Inglewood. And um, so that tells you right there, all the teachers are gonna be black, but I didn't have another black teacher until I was in San Bernardino and that was sixth grade. And that was the first black teacher that I saw actually take an interest in me. Yeah, I mean, same experience, right? Um, because I was you know, born and raised in LA, but there were, I would say two, Two and a half years, I was out of L.A., right? So from like second grade to I want to say fourth or the, the end of fourth grade, I was out of L.A. So I couldn't really remember my first black teacher truly until sixth grade um, when I was thinking about this. I knew I knew of black teachers in the fifth grade when I went to Manhattan Elementary because we had this black teacher uh, across the hall, Mr. Fitzgerald, and he was just loud. Like you could hear him every day screaming at the students like crazy. Uh, but sixth grade is when, you know, 
I have my first black teacher who, you know, we friends on Facebook and I credit him with, you know, my trajectory because he, he actually showed me and, and took, you know, took a liking to me and, and really kept me out of trouble. Yeah, um, fifth grade was when you, when you saw Mr. Fitz, Gerald. Yeah. Though? Yeah. Fifth grade is when I saw Mr. Fitz and he was, man, dude was crazy, but it was sixth grade. Um, Mr. Williams, he the one who, uh, really kind of took me under his wing and really kept me out of trouble. Uh, did you have any, you know, black teachers that were influential or even impacted your decision to, you know, want to mentor and eventually teach? Before you get to that, I was going to say, it's kind of crazy because um, even though I had a lot of black teachers, they were all women. I didn't uh, have a black male teacher until later on. Um, so even though he wasn't your teacher, um, you were lucky to even see that. Um, because outside of PE or coaching, you didn't really see any black male teachers. Um, yeah, as far good. Now, as you said, and I'm thinking, I don't know of any black women teachers I had. Honestly, really? I think all my experiences were black males. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But as far as my personal experience with teaching teachers, um. Like I said, uh, Mr. Perry, I ended up having two black teachers that year. Mr. Brown taught science and Mr. Perry that taught math. Um, Mr. Perry is the only one that actually took an interest in me, you know, like pulled, pulled me aside and actually had conversations with me about my future. Um, no, I'm lying. I had three black teachers that year. Um, but yeah, Mr. Perry was the one. I wouldn't say that I realized the impact that he had until later on, because you know, you're in sixth grade. What is this math teacher talking about? Why is he staring at me like that? Why is he taking an interest in, do I like to read and, and other stuff? Even when I, I think even when I was at high school, I, in high school, I would see him pass by in the car. He would always stop. Hey, how you doing? Everything okay? Um, that impacted me later on because it, it, it plays a role in how I deal with um, the youth now. Um, so let's talk about you dealing with the youth now. What what do you enjoy most about you know teaching and, and having the chance to engage and impact the youth? That's that, man. Uh, a lot of them don't have, they don't have that experience or they don't have anybody else in their life that's willing to hear their side of the story or pay, give them any attention um that yeah they have a mom yeah they grow up in a house but nobody's stopping to actually pay attention to them um what do they want to do why did they do that why didn't they do that you know um and what i found out finding finding these things out it not only helps them it helps me too so like man I, it gives me my purpose if, if I didn't if I couldn't do this I would really wouldn't know what my life on earth would be for right now but uh yeah it helps him um when other teachers can't get to him uh I got this problem kid yada 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 it's my worst student ever, but that ends up being my best student because I took the time, you know, to to get to know them. What's going on? 
it don't even got to be a, a, a major issue. It's just that kid needs attention. And a lot of black kids, they don't get the attention because they're misunderstood. What do you think that makes it unique, right? For like for you as, as a young black man to, to understand and grasp that, right? And, and take that extra time to get to know them that, you know, your peers or counterparts might not actually do. What does it take for me to do that? Or Yeah, like, you know, you have this innate, innate ability, right? To, to sit down with a student and turn their worst student to your best student. What do you think it is about you being a black man helping out these young students? Like, what do you think your experience particularly sets you up to be able to do that effectively? Knowing where they come from, knowing their uh, idiosyncrasies. <laughs> that was the first word that came, came <laughs> Knowing, you know, how they tick, how they operate, you know, um, their mom was my mom. Uh, their uncles were my uncles. Some of the uh, stuff that they, light just went off. Some of the stuff that they experienced um, coming up is what I experienced. Uh, you know, losing my dad when I was seven. I had a single parent mom um, struggling at times working at night to help us um all the way down to the music that we listen to i can connect with them in that way and make um make our rapport relatable and then make the subject matter relatable too the music thing is hard for me right now <laughs> yeah because it is it's trash i'd be like who <laughs> Let me listen to it. Like, um, yeah, that's trash. But even 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 the, even the music, like we, I can, I, we can clown about the music. I, I take jabs at their music. They take jabs at ours. I might even try to do some of the little TikTok dances that they got, you know. But I think that gives me the end. Now, any teacher can have it though, as long as you're um, taking the time to get to know those students. Yeah. So. What grade do you teach? I don't even think we we talked about that. So what grade or grades? Right now I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth. Um, I've taught everything. I've taught K through 10. All right. So back on this music stuff. Cause so how else do you stay up to date, right? You talk about TikTok and doing all those dances. I mean, it's like a full-time job just to stay current, right? So how do you how you do that? You just live through them. Like, how do you stay up to date? Yeah, I live through them. So um, one of the things, I hope I'm not going too far back. So one of the things I did when I first became a teacher was I started my own mentor program, right? Um, I had, it was like 98% black youth in that program. Um, I started it through the school. So I had a group of students. It was kind of like a club. It was, and it didn't have no spectacular name or nothing. Just mentor club. At those group of that group of students, and then I wanted to make it a thing that I was actually in their life, and that it wasn't just a school thing. So I met families, I met siblings, I went to games, all of that. And then um, after that, that the next year I would add more students. And the year after that, I would add more students to where I had to shut the, the program down because I was getting too many students. And because I try to be involved in their life, like directly, 
it would be a disservice to keep adding on more and more kids and I can't help them like I wanted to. From that first year, I've been teaching eight years now. I still keep in contact with, I'd say like 95% of the students that I started with. That keeps me young, even though some of them are, are young adults now, keeping in touch with them, I have a, a, a big range, um, what am I trying to say? A big range of kids to pick from. So I have some that are young adults now and some that are still like juniors in high school. Looking at their social medias, seeing them when they come around, the music that they they listen to, and so that gives me an end. So I don't really have to do it myself and go searching, but having them around, like, keep, it keeps me young. I mean, I think I, that's dope, right? And I think that's one of the biggest reasons, right? Research shows um, how influential Black teachers can be because I think of the Black teachers I've had and that extra amount that they go, right? And understanding where we come from because typically they come from the same backgrounds that they come from. And just listen to you speak. It's, it's just one of those things that, you know, I admire the work that you do and how far above and beyond you go to, to really not only just teach your students, but be in their lives and give them lessons um, and give them somebody that they can, you know, look up to and rely on. Um, so that, that's dope. So we know we in COVID. <laughs> How has uh, COVID shifted the way you, you teach or even the way you interact with your, your students, right? Because you can't be with them as much as you used to. It's all virtual now. So um, how's, how's teaching during COVID? Now we're set up to do live sessions, live Google Meet. So at a certain time, um, the students log on and you're supposed to teach a 30 minute lesson and then move on. Um, honestly, a lot of the students aren't showing up. So I'm happy that I have a job right now because I am barely doing it. <laughs> I am barely teaching. Now, as far as mentorship goes, um, COVID hasn't changed that at all. I, I can't go to no basketball games or anything like that. However, they still have access to me. Um, I still have access to their families. That's cool. But the actual teaching profession profession is 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 hurt right now. That's why I'm I'm hoping you know something change here and and I say six months, unfortunately, but, and I think that's aggressive, right? You see numbers spiking. Um, I, I, uh, I talked to somebody today, a former student today, and um, I'm not going to try to pull up the text, but literally a, a few hours ago, she said that it was, it was kind of like a free year, but then again, she's in, um, she's in like honors classes. So she's still expected to do the work, but she feels that it's harder for her because she doesn't have a teacher like in a normal setting mm -hmm. and the rest of the school is just going haywire. So I'm like, man, this, this whole year, throw the whole year away. Yeah. Have you learned anything about, about yourself? You know, your students, um, I'm, I'm not going to put your school on blast. So nothing about your school, but yourself or your students. myself honestly I, I haven't it just con confirmed some other stuff 
um, as far as patience, um, going with the flow, not to panic, um, you know, the basic life skills. This is just confirming everything. I didn't learn anything new, but it was just an extension of all those lessons that I learned in the past. As far as students, no, I didn't learn nothing new about them. I know that I know that they're not gonna log on if they if they not if they don't have to. Nobody's at home making them get on. <laughs> they they in the bed. Has it uh, lit a fire or like energized you at all to to do more when y'all get back? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it hasn't. Um, I honestly wish I could just start this whole school year over from the beginning. Um, what it actually did is it's making me wonder how things will look and what I should do when they do get back. Like, do I do I start from the beginning as if this is the beginning of the year? Do I um, pick up where I left off online? You know, it's, I don't know. I think I think most of society is in the same place. We all just, you know, going day by day and trying to make it work, right? Exactly. exactly. All right, man. So we're gonna we're gonna end on on a fun topic. And I've been I've been waiting to ask this one of you. All right. So you gotta choose between two things. All right. What do you love more? Or yeah, let's go with that. Spades or taboo? Now is this supposed to be a hard question? <laughs> <laughs> Joker, 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 Deuce, Deuce, Spades all day, Spades. I mean, it was even, was even though even though I'm the king of both. I mean, <laughs> you want me on your team in both games? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Spades. What is it that uh makes makes Spades reign supreme? What is it, what is it about Spades? Because I never got into Spades, right? Like no one took the time to teach me, and and I feel like once you miss your 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 time frame growing up uh, to learn spades, it's like it's a wrap. So like I'm in my thirties, I'm not learning spades now. Yeah, you can. You you got you speaking to the king right here. You can learn from me. <laughs> Trust me. I, <laughs> I actually taught some of my former students uh, spades, and <laughs> but I think spades is it's it's a uh, it's a culture thing, man. Like nobody takes spades as serious as us. Like you said, you said you in your thirties. You feel like you missed your your calling or whatever when it comes to spades. No other group of people is gonna are, is gonna say something like that. Spades belongs to us. You know, it's, it's a. I don't know. If you, if you go to a barbecue, a cookout, you already set apart because you don't know how to play spades. Yep. I mean, you give me some dominoes. We in it. Like, let's throw some bones. On. I got you. Yeah. yeah. So that, I can I can sit at that table. Up. Yeah, I can sit at that table, but yeah, spades. I'm like, mm-mm. and and once again, the barbecue, family picnic, family reunion ain't a place to learn. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> not a place to learn how to play spades. You better do that on your own time, in your house or apartment, and try to figure it out. Because exactly. you know what's crazy though, I uh, I've seen probably more fights. <laughs> over taboo that I have spades. It's cr- like to the point where I, I, in my head, I was like, man, see, I ain't, I ain't playing taboo with them no more. 
but the, I think that goes back to culture too. That's just a, we just so passionate and competitive when it comes to to games. We'll 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 play Uno like that. Yeah, Uno's another Turn one. Turn it up. Yeah, Uno's another one that that gets heated, right? Yeah, gets heated, and everyone has their own rules. So you better figure out what rules you're right. playing House by. Rules. House rules. Yeah. House. You clear them up with spades too. Yeah, you better make sure you know what rules you're playing for it because it'll be it'll be a rough a rough outing for you. Man, yeah, you're not going into. I know you're in your 30s. You're not going into 40s without knowing spades. I, I got you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, well. Next time we link up, you know, hopefully, Definitely. hopefully keep, that's soon. I keep them in the car. I keep dominoes and cards in the, in my car, so they with me everywhere I go. I got a poker set always in my car. I got chips. I got cards in my car because I'm a poker guy, so I always got that ready to go. All right, man. So I want to thank you, man, for, you know, taking some time out to just talk about your experiences as a black teacher, because I think having black teachers are so vital, um, especially for for young black men to have somebody who can role model and really um, take their time to to get to know them and, you know, give them space to be heard and space to be seen. Um, as you mentioned earlier, right, sometimes they're just not seen because so much that life throws at parents nowadays. So um, I want to thank you and commend you for the work that you're doing. Um, before we log off, I give everybody the option to throw out their socials if they want to be found. So this is your opportunity. If not, I always edit it out if you don't want it. Uh, yeah, uh, I give it. But I, I want to say I appreciate you for doing stuff like this. I appreciate you for having me. I hope this uh, like, man, when you ask these questions, so many thoughts come to my mind and it's so much to get out. Um, I hope it's not jumbled and all over the place, but yeah, I, I do appreciate you having me and I appreciate the platform and what you're doing with it. But my uh, social, what is it? IG, Jovanism, J-O-V-O-N-I-S-M. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna just leave it at the IG. Oh, Twitter, <laughs> what is my Twitter? Jvision321, J-V-I-S-I-O-N, 321. All right, man, so there y'all have it. Another episode down. Once again, thanks, Javon, for joining me. And come back next time. Peace. There you have it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Educated Food Podcast. I would like to thank my guest, Javon Booker, once again. You can catch him on Instagram at Javonism. That's J-O-V-O-N-I-S-M. Black teachers are critical. And I'm proud to know a great black teacher and shout out to all my black teachers out there. If you like this episode, if you like this podcast, go ahead and rate me, review me, give me five stars. If you don't want to give me five stars, give me five stars anyway. Intro music and outro music is produced by Edward Binkin and engineered by Logan Craigness. And you can find me on Twitter at The Educated Fool. Or you can email us at educatedfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any show ideas, you actually want to get on and rap with me for a little bit. I love to hear from you. I love to improve. So if there's anything, suggestions you have, feel free to drop me a line at my email. Once again, it's educatedfoodpodcast at gmail.com. So if you like the podcast, come back. It'll only get better. If you don't like the podcast, still come back because it only could get better. I'm out.